Welcome in to the 32nd episode of College Sports Today, coming to you on WLRZ 99.3 FM, as well as on LRN News. You can find our show at therinian.com, as well as on Spotify and rss.com. I am your host, Hamilton Neal, joining you as always this week. And yet we have another busy show, as always. Lots of collegiate athletics news to talk about locally, as well as nationally. So let's set the table for what we have here tonight. First, in segment number one, we're going to take you around the 828 as we talk all Lenore Ryan athletics. First, we're going to talk about the South Atlantic Conference five-member 2022 Hall of Fame class, which includes a 2003 LR graduate, Maya Grady. Then we're going to go over and talk Bears baseball news as sophomore pitcher Joshua Lanham has been named a third-team All-American. And then we'll talk about the Lenore University Athletics Department, ranking at ninth out of 316 NCAA Division II schools with community service work this past year. A lot of very impressive stuff with our student-athletes, with our entire administration here. And again, all the details on that as well coming up a little bit later. Then in our second segment, we're going to take you into the national spotlight and first talk women's college basketball, as seven cities have been selected by the Division I Women's Basketball Committee as finalists to host the NCAA Women's Final Four from 2027 through 2031. We'll then go over and talk about five-star quarterback prospect Arch Manning and his highly publicized official visit to Georgia. Manning is the top-ranked prospect in the 2023 recruiting class, and we'll not only talk about his Georgia official visit here, but also about officials as well to Alabama and Texas. Again, all of that coming up in segment number two. But again, first, we're going to start with segment number one, taking you around the 828 as we talk Lenore Ryan Athletics. Again, up first tonight, we are talking about the South Atlantic Conference as they have inducted five members into their 2022 Hall of Fame class. Receiving honors were LR alum Maya Grady, Tusculum alum Jasmine Gunn, Mars Hill alum Christina Osborne, former Wingate baseball coach and athletic director Steve Poston, and Carson Newman alum Kenneth Tyson. Grady becomes the 13th Lenorine student-athlete elected into the SAC Hall of Fame, which opened in 2000. Grady, a 2003 graduate of Lenorine University, is one of the best players in Lenorine and SAC women's basketball history. Her historic career includes being named SAC Freshman of the Year, Co-Player of the Year, SAC Women's Basketball Tournament MVP, and Second Team All-American. The three-time All-Conference selection led the league in assists for three years and was the assist-to-turnover ratio leader for two years. She led the Bears to their first South Atlantic Conference Tournament Championship in 2003 and was named the tournament's most valuable player. She ranks in the top five in five South Atlantic Conference statistical categories and is LR's all-time leader in assists with 640. In addition to passing the ball, Grady was a scoring threat as well, notching 1,284 career points. She was the first Lenorine women's basketball player to be named Freshman of the Year, Player of the Year, and South Atlantic Conference Tournament MVP during her career. Grady continued to be an active member of the basketball community even after graduation, including playing semi-professional basketball with the SC All-Stars in 2008 and 9. She was inducted into the Lenorine Hall of Fame in 2013. Currently, she is a sales associate manager for PepsiCo Frito-Lay in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is a member of the board of directors for the Mentor 11 Foundation. 
Lenoran sophomore pitcher Joshua Lanham has been announced as a third-team All-American by both the D2CCA and the NCBWA, as announced by each organization. Lanham becomes just the second All-American in program history, and the first since 2007, when Dan Ford earned honorable mention All-American accolades. Lanham set the LR single-season record with his 11 wins on the year and broke the record with a win in the NCAA tournament against UNC Pembroke. The right-handed pitcher finished the year with a 2.40 ERA and a 1.10 whip in a team-high 90 innings pitched. Lanham struck out 112 batters and walked just 24 and led a staff that broke the sack record for strikeouts in a season with 647. Lanham had five starts with double-digit strikeout totals, including a career-high 14 whiffs in a nine-inning complete game shutout of Queens in the first round of the South Atlantic Conference Tournament. With his 10 scoreless innings in the SAC Tournament, Lanham earned a spot on the All-Tournament team and gave up just four earned runs in 18 postseason innings to go with 26 strikeouts and a 2-0 record. And for the fourth straight year, the Lenoran University Athletics Department reached new heights when giving back to the community. After finishing 15th out of 316 NCAA Division II programs in 2020, the Bears set a program record with a ninth place finish in community service this past year as determined by Helper Helper, the official partner of NCAA Teamworks. The LR men's swimming team finished second out of all Division II men's programs in the nation, and the women's swimming team had the fourth best finish among all women's D2 programs. The Bears set a new school record with 7,291 total hours contributed among LR student-athletes at 51 different organizations. 16 teams had a perfect 100% participation amongst their roster. In women's sports across all of Division II, the women's swimming team led all swimming teams in terms of community service hours. Women's lacrosse was second amongst D2 women's LIX programs and women's golf, softball, and women's tennis each finished sixth in D2 in their respective sports. Rounding out teams in the top 10 in Division II in community service hours was the volleyball team who finished 8th. On the men's side, football had the most community service hours of any D2 football team in the nation, as did the men's swimming program. Also coming in the top 10 in the nation amongst their respective sports were men's soccer, men's lacrosse, men's basketball, and men's tennis. As a whole, Division II student-athletes volunteered over 34,000 hours, and had an economic impact of $988,226, according to Helper Helper. As a team, women's swimming averaged 44 hours per student-athlete in terms of community service, and the men's swimming team averaged 37 hours. Football had the most total hours contributed at 1,088, and 20 total LR athletic programs averaged at least 10 community service hours per student-athlete. Individually, Caroline Hilliard of Cross Country and Track and Field had the most hours with 118 over the course of the year. And the Bears were one of two South Atlantic Conference schools in the top 10 in Division II. Again, a lot of news there with Lenoran Athletics. First thing I want to do is talk about Maya Grady and her induction into the 2022 Hall of Fame class for the South Atlantic Conference. In my opinion, this is way overdue. This is a player in Maya Grady from women's basketball that contributed so much, not only to Lenore Ryan women's basketball, but also South Atlantic Conference women's basketball. And the time that she was playing from 1999 to 2003, obviously South Atlantic Conference basketball was very strong. It always has been. It's always been a competitive league, strong teams every single year. And during the time when she was playing, we had a lot of really good teams here. And in large part, that was because of Maya Grady and what she was able to do. We went over the stats there. South Atlantic Conference Freshman of the Year, 
Co-Player of the Year, Women's Basketball Tournament MVP, and Second Team All-American. The way that she was able to distribute the basketball and dish out the assists was just insane. 640 on her career. That's LR's all-time record for assists in a career. Also, 1,200 plus points for her career. So not only was she a threat to dish the basketball and distribute and find her teammates and be unselfish, but she could fill it up as well. So I really feel like it's just so well-deserved for her to get in right now, probably a little bit overdue. I think Maya should have been in quite a while ago into the South Atlantic Conference Hall of Fame, but better late than never, right? Maya Grady, one of the best players in LR women's basketball history, and someone that our younger generation did not have an opportunity to watch, but when you go back and watch the tape of her and what she was able to do for this program and leading this team, it was just outstanding, like I said. And you can go and look at the stats and all the accolades. Again, I just read them out a moment ago, and it's just second to none what she's been able to do for this LR Women's Basketball Program. And now she is very successful, again, as the sales associate manager for Pepsi Frito-Lay, part of the board of directors for the Mentor 11 Foundation. Again, just all the way around, a very, very well-deserved honor for Maya Grady to be named a Hall of Famer now in the South Atlantic Conference. She's already a Lenore Ryan Hall of Famer. We mentioned that she was inducted in 2013, but now also, again, a SAC Hall of Famer. So much congratulations to her. One of the greatest careers that we've ever seen here at Lenore Ryan, and hopefully we see more Bears inducted into the future. When it comes to Lenore Ryan baseball, Joshua Lanham, again, has been named a third-team All-American by both the D2CCA and the NCBWA. And this is so well-deserved for him as well. When you look at what he was able to do individually, but also working with the entire pitching staff and what they did as a collective unit, it was just so impressive. As a staff, they broke the sack record for strikeouts in a season with 647. What he did getting 11 wins on the year, breaking the record in the NCAA tournament against UNC Pembroke, just outstanding. And Joshua Lanham not only has 2023 with the Bears, but also 2024 as well. So again, congratulations to him being named third-team All-American by D2CCA and NCBWA as well. And again, what our athletics department is doing and what our athletic programs are accomplishing when it comes to community service and paying it forward, just absolutely outstanding. Especially when you look at the football team, the men's swimming team, both being named number one in Division II in their respective sports. Women's swimming, women's golf, softball, women's tennis, we basically talked about every single sport here at Lenore Ryan, or at least it felt like it. What our student athletes are doing right now to, again, pay it forward and to give back to the community and take time out is what you want to see from all athletes everywhere. Again, I don't care what level it is. As an athlete, you have a platform and an opportunity that others don't have. You have an opportunity to show up and you have an opportunity to be there again, on a platform that others can't reach and that not everybody has. And you are a role model if you're an athlete. Don't care what level it is, high school, college, professional. If you're an athlete, somebody's looking at you and seeing what you're doing. And what you do on the field is great. And you look at the statistics and the wins and all those moments. All that stuff is great. And we love that. But the bigger impact comes off the field or off the court, wherever it might be. And this is something that we've talked about on some of our recent shows with 
scholar athletes of the year like Miles Moffitt and like Savannah Moorfield, you know, what they've done with their programs and what all of these other athletes and all of these other programs have done as well makes such an impact. And everybody in this area has been affected in a positive way by our Lenoran Bears. So hopefully we see more of this in the future and we just keep moving up the ranks. Great stuff from our Lenoran University Athletics Department, again being ranked ninth out of 316 Division II schools in community service this past year. So again, that wraps up segment number one as we have taken you around the 828. We're now going to take a break and go into segment number two, where we're going to take you into the national spotlight. We'll talk news out of women's college basketball as well as college football recruiting. That's after the short break. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ at 99.3 FM and LRN News. We'll be right back. Welcome back in to College Sports Today, episode number 32. Now taking you into segment number two of the show now as we talk national collegiate athletics news. Now last week on the show, we brought you into the national spotlight by taking a look at men's college basketball. So we talked about the Baylor and Gonzaga matchup set for early December. We talked about DJ Wagner and his recruitment as Milt Wagner, his grandfather, has been hired at the University of Louisville. All of that was great last week. Had a blast talking about that stuff. But tonight, we're going to mix it up a little bit more. We're going to talk about women's college basketball as seven cities have been selected by the D1 Women's Basketball Committee as finalists to host the Final Four from 2027 to 2031. And we're going to talk about five-star quarterback and number one overall player, Arch Manning. Class of 2023 recruit, so hyped, so excited to see what he can do coming up. Right now, he's on his visit tour his official visit tour. We're going to talk about the Georgia visit, upcoming visits to Alabama and to Texas as well. These topics bring us into the world of national collegiate athletics and give us a look into the national spotlight. Again, up first, we are talking women's college basketball as seven cities have been selected by the Division I Women's Basketball Committee as finalists to host the NCAA Women's Final Four from 2027 through 2031. The cities that still being considered include Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, Indianapolis, Indiana, Portland, Oregon, Sacramento, California, San Antonio, Texas, and Tampa, Florida. Chair of the committee and Duke Athletic Director Nina King said, quote, We are grateful to all of the cities that submitted bids to host future women's Final Fours. The increased interest in this bid cycle from so many cities throughout the country is a result of the continuous growth of women's basketball and support for this premier national women's championship. We are confident that a women's Final Four held at any of these sites would flourish, end quote. 
Finalist cities will submit final bids by July 1st, and staff and committee members will conduct site visits through August and September. The finalist cities will be asked to deliver presentations to the committee mid-November, after which the committee will vote and announce the future host cities for the years 2027 through 2031. Both Sacramento and Portland are bidding to host their first women's Final Four. Columbus hosted in 2018 and Dallas hosted in 2017 and will host again in 2023, while Indianapolis, San Antonio, and Tampa have each hosted multiple times. The 2023 Women's Final Four at American Airlines Center in Dallas will bring together the championship games for all three NCAA divisions. Cleveland will host in 2024, followed by Tampa in 2025, and Phoenix will host for the first time in 2026. Again, when we talk about women's college basketball, women's sports in general, we are seeing a very exciting and incredible growth spurt right now. It's something that Nina King talked about in her quote there that we pointed out. The support of a premier national women's championship is growing. It's getting bigger and bigger. TV viewership is going up. Just general interest in these tournaments and what these young women are able to do is growing more and more. And there is really, in my opinion, no finer moment for women's sports as far as growth is concerned than right now. We are at a place right now where people are starting to take notice and start to take charge as far as support of women's sports, coverage of women's sports, putting games, putting events and tournaments on ESPN, all of that stuff. It's growing and it's not going to stop growing from here. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. And when we're looking at women's college basketball in particular and the cities that want to host a Final Four, It's just absolutely outstanding. Again, what we're seeing from Columbus, from Dallas, from Indy, cities that have hosted before, but also places like Portland and Sacramento that have never hosted a Final Four that want to jump in on this and want to be a part of the growth of women's sports. The Moda Center in Portland is home of the Trailblazers from the NBA. The Golden One Center in Sacramento is home of the Kings. Two beautiful facilities. I think both would be great hosts for a Final Four. Again, as I mentioned, Dallas hosted in 2017. Indianapolis has hosted three Final Fours in 05, in 2011, and in 2016. San Antonio has hosted three in 2002, 2010, and 2021. And Tampa has hosted three, 2008, 2015, and in 2019 as well. And I definitely think a few of those cities will be able to host here from 2027 through 2031. Columbus, in particular, had an outstanding Final Four in 2018. It was UConn, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, and Louisville. And still, to this day, the greatest women's Final Four that I've ever seen. When you look at the uh, two national semifinal games, Mississippi State in overtime knocks out Louisville in what was just an instant classic game. Both teams were trading shots back and forth. Louisville misses a layup at the buzzer, and then it again goes to overtime and Mississippi State wins, high-scoring affair, and then UConn and Notre Dame play. Again, big-time rivalry, two of the greatest programs of all time. Enrique Gumbawale from Notre Dame knocks down a jumper with just seconds remaining, sends Notre Dame to the national championship game, and at that point, that was the second straight year that UConn was beat on a jump shot almost at the buzzer. 
So you had those two games, and then you had the national championship game, Notre Dame and Mississippi State. Rike Gumbawale knocks down another jump shot to win them the national championship game, almost at the buzzer again. Again, to this day, the greatest final for the greatest women's college basketball that I've ever watched. Uh, obviously, since then, we have seen a ton of great players come through. We have a ton of superstars right now, including Paige Beckers from UConn, Leah Boston from South Carolina, Haley Jones from Stanford, Caitlin Clark from Iowa. We just have so many great players right now. And again, it's a golden time for women's college basketball. And that's why we do what we do covering it here on a show like College Sports Today. And that's why I cover it in many of my other media ventures as well, is because it's such great stuff. It's compelling. It is March Madness. When we get to the tournament, even the regular season stuff is just great. The whole season, the news that we get out of recruiting, you know, transfer portal stuff is crazy right now. Uh, It's right up there with men's college basketball. And the popularity, again, is starting to grow. It's starting to get bigger and bigger. So very exciting news to see. Cities going to be selected very soon. Again, this process is going to take a little bit more time. Cities are going to submit their final bids by July 1. And then, obviously, site visits August, September. Then we're going to have mid-November come around. Presentations to the committee will be made. And then after that, then we'll finally know who will be hosting from 2027 through 2031. So great stuff there out of women's college basketball. Now let's wrap up by talking about college football recruiting and five-star quarterback Arch Manning. He just recently took an official visit to Georgia. He is the top-ranked prospect in the 2023 class, and he is just one step closer to ending one of the most scrutinized recruitments in recent college football history. In a moment that had social media buzzing, Manning posed for a picture with other official visitors wearing an all-white Georgia uniform. The rising senior at Isidore Newman in New Orleans had previously made multiple visits to Georgia, including for a home game last season. He was joined on this official visit by several of the Bulldogs' current verbal commitments and multiple prospects destined for the offensive side of the ball, including wide receiver Raymond Cottrell and tight ends Pierce Sperlin and Lawson Lucky. This was the first of three visits scheduled this month for Manning, who has spent most of the past year making unofficial visits to many of the top programs in the FBS. Most of these schools, such as Clemson, LSU, and Ole Miss, to name a few, were eliminated from contention before the spring. And he has official visits coming up to Alabama and to Texas as well. Again, we talk about college football recruiting and the top high school prospects in the country. We're obviously putting Arch Manning in the discussion as the best player not just in the 2023 class, but also regardless of class. Best player in high school football. Obviously, he comes from the Manning family. Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. He's the son of Cooper Manning, brother of Peyton and Eli. And boy, does he have some incredible football minds to work with. He has Peyton and Eli as his uncles. He can pick their brains all day long. Peyton Manning, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos. Eli Manning, also a two-time Super Bowl champ with the New York Giants. Peyton, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Eli had a tremendous career as well. And now Arch is next up. He's expected to take the torch and run with it. Not just being a big-time college football player, wherever he decides to go, but also as a big-time NFL quarterback. And he projects down the road as a top-10 player in the NFL draft. But again, he's got to go to college first and make his dent there. And right now, we're mainly looking at Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. And 
again, he posed for a picture with other official visitors wearing an all-white Georgia uniform. Uh, I guess it's because of Arch Manning's status as the number one player and the most popular guy in high school football that everyone's going nuts about this. I mean, this is something that we see from recruits all the time in football and in basketball and other sports. They go on an official visit, they get to wear a uni, and they put it on social media. And it's not a big deal. All you got to say is like hashtag not committed. And then people are going to know that you haven't made a decision yet. Uh, I don't know why everybody's going so nuts about Arch Manning being in a uniform on an official visit. I mean, this isn't something that makes headlines with anybody else. I really feel like it's because of his status as the number one player, as the best recruit in high school football, and because he's a Manning. And if you have that last name on your back, everyone's going to be talking about you. So with all of that aside, his official visit to Georgia, his upcoming trips to Bama and Texas, which are later this month, let's talk about his game a little bit and what he actually brings to the table. Let's talk about why he is so hyped, why he's the number one player. And I'm going to point out a couple of different things here from the 247 Sports Scouting Report from Gabe Patagna. He did a complete scouting report on Arch Manning. And one of the things that he pointed out right away was his pocket awareness. When he takes the ball and drops back, he's aware of where the linemen are coming, what the linebackers are going to do, what the coverage is, the presence and ability to extend plays with his feet obviously is something that in today's age of football, you have to have the ability to do. And it's something that we see right now from a guy like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is outstanding at extending plays, about getting out of the pocket when he's rushed and still making something happen. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs does it so well. Aaron Rodgers was one of those guys of the last 15, 20 years that was able to get outside the pocket, was able to move more and not just be a a statue back there in the pocket. His arm talent is excellent. He has the ability to make every throw on the field. And it's not just the little intermediate throws inside the numbers or the deep shot over the top, but also the throws outside the numbers to the sidelines. Those are the toughest throws for quarterbacks to make. And he he already has that ability to do that. And he shows that with great velocity and just great down the field arm strength. And again, he excels as an intermediate passer much like Peyton and Eli did when they were in the NFL. They were great as intermediate passers, but could take it over the top, but were great at the intermediate level. And he can consistently do that, delivering the ball accurately and on time. His anticipation is outstanding as well. And the touch on his deep ball is also good. So all of these things that Gabe is pointing out here from 247 are just right on the money. He can play under duress, but when he's rushed, it can affect his accuracy and decision-making. And he will need to continue to improve on making the right decision when facing pressure. And sometimes he makes an unnecessary pass. Again, that's according to Gabe Patagna of 247 Sports. But right now he has all the physical tools. I think, again, he can make every throw on the field. Obviously, when you're flushed out, like I said, that's what everyone's looking for now in an elite quarterback. Just because of the standard that guys like Mahomes and like Allen have set. Can you make plays outside of the pocket? And when things are kind of breaking down, can you find maybe that third or fourth option at receiver and and still make a play? I think Arch is continuing to get better with that. So again, this recruitment is going to be very, very highly publicized moving forward. Obviously, this Georgia official visit, everybody's talking about it. Uh, Again, him wearing the uniform really uh, doesn't 
doesn't do as much for me. I mean, I've seen other official visitors at other schools do that, but it's just, like I said, his status, really almost his celebrity status as a high school football player. And I'm sure uh, at Alabama and at Texas, we'll see the same thing. But, you know, he's been at Texas a lot, but that's a program right now led by Steve Sarkeesian that is still struggling. He hasn't turned them around. So if I were Arch Manning right now, I would uh, look at Texas as a viable option, but you just got to keep in mind that that's not a team ready to go win right away like Alabama or like Georgia in the SEC. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things go down the stretch. But again, looking at Georgia, Alabama, and Texas as the main contenders for Arch Manning. So again, that's just some of the stuff happening in the national spotlight right now. And with that, we wrap up episode number 32 of College Sports Today. Whether you've been listening on WLRZ 99.3 FM, whether it's on LRN News at therinian.com, Spotify or RSS.com, wherever you have found this show, we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. And as always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the College of Fine Arts and Communications, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.